for the year of 2012. Um, I love the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want you to know it is our only hope. It is the only thing that is going to work for changing this world. It's the only hope this world has. We hold that hope within us. We need to release it to people as it's been released unto us by God. Freely you have been given, now freely give. And this gospel, like I said, is the only hope. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's a righteousness that has been established from faith to faith. It's always been by faith, from Adam all the way to the return of Christ. It's by faith that we receive this grace and we give praise to God. Would you turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 20? There is something that I live by. It is my strength and uh, it is uh, a banner cry for me whenever I am facing something that's difficult and whenever I consider the mandate that is upon this church, I think of this verse. Because as a church, we do have a mandate. Every assembly has a mandate. Every church should have a sense of mission and duty. Our mission is to fill this region with the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. We have a plan to do that. And uh, I'm going to start pushing this. Our vision meeting comes towards the end of January. You need to be here to hear how that plan is unfolding and being set forth. Well, the mandate on this church is to change this community, and we're going to do that together. But it would seem like an impossible task, wouldn't it? It would seem to a man named Charles Wesley that he could ever convert England in the cesspool it was in back in the days that he lived, or early American life when the evangelists began to ride and move through our cities and towns. They thought it was so far gone. And so we look at our own community, our own nation, and we think, what in the world could ever change such, such degradation, such impurity, such immorality, and such uh, an atheistic spirit against God? And I'm telling you that there is such a power, there is such a force, it's called the grace of God. It's called the grace of God. And I live by that because it gives me boldness, it gives me courage, because it says where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. Basically it's this, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Oh, the, man, the, the sinfulness of man, the corruption of government, the corruption of human beings cannot surpass the grace of God. God's grace will superabound over all of man's depravity. I want to tell you something. In the end, we know who wins. It is not just Jesus, but Jesus and his bride win this thing. And that tells me grace is going to abound. You might see your children or family members in sin. Would you just recognize if you keep praying, you know grace will abound. Grace is going to make a way through. Grace is going to superabound over anything sin can do. We're all testimonies of that. And this verse rings over and over and over. You consider Adam and Eve, and you consider when they plunged the entire human race, but not only the human race, but all of the created realm under the bondage of sin and death. 
All of creation groans under the weight of this oppression of death. Every human being is born depraved and under the influence of sin. But I want to tell you, God immediately showed up on the first moment man had plunged all of creation under that weight. God showed up and said, it shall not be this way forever. I have a way where the seed will survive. The seed will overcome and I will save mankind from their sins. The promise was right at the start. We look at Noah. We see, it says in Genesis 6, 5, that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And get this, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. We're talking about a degradation and a a depravity that every thought that every human being had was continually wicked. Come on, put all those uh, adverbs, adjectives, whatever they are, put them all together. Every, always, continually evil. But God had a way that he was going to save mankind and grace built a boat and Noah and his family got into grace and survived and brought a new mankind into place so that you and I could be here today. That's how grace can supersede sin and evil. God has a way. God has a way out. Remember the mess that Abraham and Sarah had with Hagar, trying to make all these plans work and God's promises fulfilled? All they did was make a mess of their family, right? But what did God do? His grace provided the answer to that entire situation. Isaac was born miraculously out of due season and past the time that Abraham and Sarah could even possibly wonder what they could do about it. God's grace moves beyond what you think the solution is, what you try to fix to make it happen. God's grace is always waiting in the wings for you to say, enough's enough. Grace will overcome. God's grace is what overcame your depravity, your sin, your blindness, your deadness to God. Grace wakened you up and made you alive. Jacob continued to wrestle with God until grace got a hold of him, punched him in the thigh and said, wake up, pal, your name's Israel now. Grace overcame. How many of you know that we need to be overcome by grace? Overcome by grace. Grace will superabound. It's not something we can do. It's not something we can drum up. It's something that has to overtake us. It is a super grace, an overwhelming thing that God does on His own because He loves us. How many of you know when Israel was trying to get out of Egypt, one plague, two plagues, three plagues wouldn't do it. They kept pressing and pressing. Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder and harder till finally grace said, enough's enough. Let my people go. And grace delivered them out. But man's sinfulness and wickedness continued and continued in that people for 40 years till they all dropped dead, till one whole generation was dead. But then grace said, I've got a people who will follow me into a promised land. 
and grace made a new way. How many of you have tried something till you're just about dead? Your spirit's given up. You've, you've thought every which way you could do it, but grace makes a way. It will superabound. Uh, what do they say? If God shuts a door, look for a window, right? Grace will open a window. Grace will tear a hole in the roof. He'll do it. He'll do it for you. God's the one who claws open the roof on our house so that he may come in. Grace is an action by God, brothers and sisters, by God. It is his love, it's his unmerited favor that he bestows upon us. Oh, thank God. We look at the judges and a generation would rise under a judge and be righteous. When the judge died, Israel would go wanting. They would go off under all sin and after other nations until they came in bondage once again. But grace said, one more time, I'll send you a deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God that Jesus will never retire, will never give up on us. He won't quit. Grace will continue to flow into your lives. Grace will never cease. Grace will never stop because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is eternal and he forever sits at the right hand of God the Father. This grace will never cease. I thank God for that. David sinned, and he sinned not only with Bathsheba, but he sinned by numbering the troops and the people. And though he had to suffer the consequences of his sin, grace gave him Solomon and gave Solomon unto the line of Jesus Christ, and God's grace sustained the throne of David, even past all of our failures. Aren't you glad that even no matter how many times you failed him in 2011, his grace sustains you? so that you can go forward in 2012. Amen? Thank God for His grace. For His grace. When Judah was captured by Babylon, taken out of the very promised land they were given, their inheritance and God's prophetic land for His people, it seemed like it was all over. And what's left of the two tribes of Benjamin and Judah are now taken into captivity, held in bondage for 70 years grace caused some pagan king to rise up and said you go ahead and rebuild jerusalem amen some of you have had your giftings your callings held captive by addiction captive by an enemy captive by a broken life and things you never planned for they've been broken and captive grace will come back once again and say go back and rebuild what i've given you my gifts are without repentance thank god for grace it's a restorer of everything that's broken down. Oh, thank God for grace. Hallelujah. Oh, when there was 400 years of silence and the Medo-Persian Empire rose up and then the Greek Empire ruled the world and then the Roman Empire after that ruled the world and kept Israel bound as a slave people, grace showed up in a manger one night. And grace was birthed into the world. And though grace came, man's sin abounded in such a way that where our sin and our depravity took the Lord of glory and the very grace of God and we plucked out His beard and we lashed Him and whipped Him and nailed Him to a cross and mankind killed the grace of God. 
But thank God for the grace that couldn't stay in the grave. You can't kill God's grace. You can't defeat God's grace. Sin and death cannot overcome it because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And the resurrection of our Lord proves that. When He rose from the dead, He destroyed sin, death, and the grave. Grace superabounds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Grace much more abounds. And even though you were born in sin and you were dead in your trespasses and blind, deaf and dumb to the Spirit of God, grace awakened you and me. Thank God for grace. Well, what is this grace? It abounds in a world of sin. It's God's favor. It's God's favor and God's favor alone. It's nothing that you and I can do. And so in this fight, I move in the power of God's grace. So where sin abounds, I know I can't do a thing. I know I can't overcome the depravity that is out there today. But by God's grace in me, it will overcome. If the people of God will walk in the power of this grace, we will overcome sin. We will be able to confidently tell people who are addicted, the grace of God can deliver you. The gospel of Jesus Christ can set you free. We can tell the prostitutes. We can tell the drunkards. We can tell those people who are lost in such sin, God can save you by His grace. Those who are sexually immoral, those who are idolaters, those who are adulterers, those who are prostitutes, those who are homosexuals, those who are thieves, those who are greedy, drunkards, slanderers, slender, uh, swindlers, and slanderers, whatever that is. The grace of God can set us free. And Paul goes on to say, and that is what some of you were. And I would say in this congregation, that's what all of us were at one time. The grace of God. You see, when you understand the grace of God, you should be fearless to step into a world of sin. We don't run from sin. We don't hide from sin. We're not afraid of the sin of this world. We're not afraid to stand up. They'll make a mockery of us. They'll make fun of us. They'll say we're prudes. They'll say we're narrow-minded. They'll say that we're ignorant, stupid people believing a false and old religion. And I'll say, when you're done, I'll be here for you. For the grace of God compels me to be patient with your rants and your raves. And I will serve you in the grace of God just as Jesus served me when I would wrestle with Him. Oh, the grace of God never runs from sin. Sometimes we get so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. Sometimes we get so sanctified-minded we can't touch this, can't do that, can't do that. Ah, but knowing the grace of God, I'll run into that place. Knowing the grace that saved me, I won't succumb to it. But I will stand because I know the grace is going to overcome it. Where sin abounds, what happens? Grace much more abounds. Ah, the condition of the United States right now, the condition of our city right now is ripe for the abounding power of grace to overcome. Amen? This is an exciting day. This is an exciting day. But remember, grace is of God. It's His favor. 
It's not our ability. It's nothing we can add to it. You can't add to grace. We can't put any of our own effort in it. Though we work for the grace that has been given unto us, our faith is ignited because of this grace. But can I tell you this? Christ's payment, God's grace and the blood of Jesus, when you understand grace, you recognize that that His payment for our sin is not sufficient. God's blood is not sufficient for our healing. God's blood is not sufficient for our deliverance. It's an overpayment. It's beyond sufficient. It goes beyond just paying for your sins. It goes beyond just giving you healing. It goes beyond just delivering you. The grace of God superabounds, Paul says. It's not just sufficient for you to make it to get by. It is more abounding to make you a king and a priest, one who sits in the authority with God. It superabounds, and it doesn't make you a conqueror. It makes you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. This is the grace of God. If it was sufficient, it would just be mercy. But mercy is giving you something of a forgiveness and a release. Grace is giving you more than just the release, more than the forgiveness, but also saying, step with me and sit upon my throne, child of God. It is more than sufficient. It is God's favor. Sin's always going to disqualify you, but God's favor only qualifies you. God's favor qualifies me. You're going to believe that sin disqualified me. I can't serve God. I can't. You don't understand. Though sin, you might feel, disqualifies you, it's God's grace that qualifies you. Not your abilities, but His grace. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? It is by His unmerited favor that you qualify. I'm not good enough. We knew that a long time ago. Catch up with this. But I failed him again. He understands it. But none of you are qualified by your abilities. You're qualified by the Son of God who died on the cross for you. This grace is impenetrable. This grace is long-lasting. It is eternal. Oh, hallelujah for this grace. You'll never know, though, the depths of this grace till you begin to understand the depth of your own sin. There's a parable where Jesus went to a Pharisee's house And as he was eating there, a prostitute came in and began to weep at his feet and cleansed his feet with her tears. And the Pharisee was upset that Jesus allowed such a sinful woman to touch him. You have to understand Jewish society. You have to understand their mindset. They believed that you could pick up unclean spirits and unclean things by others and by food improperly washed. And so for a sinful prostitute to touch the flesh of Jesus, to touch his feet, made him unclean. That's why in another place, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out. It's the heart. And Jesus knew this Pharisee was upset with him. And he told him a parable. And he said, one man was forgiven a million dollars. Another man was forgiven ten. Who loved the greater? Now, it's not as if that Pharisee only owed 10 bucks, but the point is this, the one who understands the depth of how much they've been forgiven, 
appreciates that grace that was poured out to them. I want to tell you the nearer, the closer you get to God, the closer you draw near to Him, the more revelation you have on yourself. It's funny sometimes people who who get saved and they said, you know, I really didn't have a lot to be saved from. I didn't eat, drink, smoke, uh, dance, do corruptible things. God didn't have to save me that much. Oh, come to the grace of God and let Him expose a heart You begin to appreciate it. The more you draw near to His holiness, you begin to say, woe is me. And you begin to appreciate that grace. Oh, thank God for the grace of God. Then you become bolder to know that no matter where someone is in their life of sin, grace can abound over them and save them. Do you know someone who's just filthy, a liar, a cheater, a drunkard? Do you know anybody like that? Get to know them, would you please? Go after them with the grace of God. Go after them. The ones that you don't think are able to be saved. The ones that you think it's too hard of a case. Oh, let God show His grace. And let's go forward in this year and preach the power of grace. Do not shrink back from the abounding power of grace. God has saved you and I. And one thing we've come to know and recognize is how grateful we are for that grace for saving a wretch like me. What I love about this grace is it's transforming. I can say a wretch like me because I know He's not letting me stay a wretch. He's given me His righteousness. He's teaching me how to walk in that righteousness. And I'm leaving that wretched life behind. And I'm walking as a son of God in the fullness and bounty of His grace. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, You're so gracious. You're so loving. You're so kind. We thank You, O God, for such a grace as this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and loves us now.